0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Happy Tuesday, everybody. As always, we got two NFL games tonight. Wait a minute. Hold on. That's right, I guess. We got two NFL games tonight on a Tuesday. A couple days before Christmas. Why not? Why not? Let's get weird with it. We got Eagles and Washington football team, Rams and Seahawks. Those games kicking off right now. We've got quarterbacks, at least one in those games that you probably never heard of and barely knows the offense. That should be fun. We also had an exciting uh, Idaho famous potato bowl that led us down a a, a bit of a rabbit hole when it comes to (laughs) potatoes. Um, and we're gonna introduce you to, to Spuddy Buddy and Doctor Potato and the Potato Hotel. That's all coming later. It's don't Spain we have to fence.
2: wait till like eight or nine PM, like the like the old primetime like rules. rules? We can't introduce There's, Spuddy Buddy yeah. until a certain time if of the we could night. We can talk
1: about people's Spuddy Buddies uh, this hour. Might be might be too early. Uh, yeah. Also, as our producer tonight, Chris pointed out, the only literal bowl game, uh, potato bowl. <laughs> Which is, no. it's nice. I like that. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. Yeah, Tuesday night football kicking off now. <laughs> uh,
2: it just feels it, weird every time you say it's,
1: it. it. It's weird. It is weird. Uh, it is very weird. Um, Washington football team is starting Garrett Gilbert at quarterback tonight against the Eagles. He signed with the team Friday off of the Patriots practice squad. Um, and the reason that he got the nod over, um, now I'm of course blanking. Oh, uh, uh, there's another backup to the, Oh, Kyle Shermer, Uh, he's, he's a a second year player who you think, you know, has been with the team a little bit longer, but he has never appeared in an NFL game. And we actually got a chance to see Garrett Gilbert start a game for the Cowboys last season. He was 21 to 38 for a touchdown and one interception in a 24 to 19 loss to the Steelers. He appeared in one other game last season, but didn't throw a pass. So, uh, they gave him the nod, presumably fits because he at least has been in an NFL game and gotten a start before, even though he just joined the team on Friday.
2: Yeah, but there's a couple of things here. Number one, every time you say Garrett, Garrett Gilbert, you say it with such a disdain that it's just like <laughs> it's Garrett. It's not intentional. Gilbert. No, I mean, but but this is where we are right now. And this is, again, as I think I've said a million times, kind of a worst case scenario for the NFL in the sense that you have a, a, a matchup that has a ton of playoff implications for two teams that are battling to try and sneak their way in. And they're playing with Garrett Gilbert. I mean, right now, the Washington football team, you know, they're a half a game back of New Orleans and the Vikings for that last spot in the playoffs. And uh, they're looking at it, and Philly's in the same situation. Both of these teams are looking at the playoffs saying, hey, we might not be great football teams, but we have a real shot – At the playoffs. And this is part of the new reality. This is part of why they expanded the practice squad uh, capabilities for teams. This is what the NFL was preparing themselves for was the worst case scenario. But it is what we are seeing every single day now when you start to get Garrett Gilbert starting for the Washington football team against the Eagles. That's not the big matchup that most people anticipated.
1: Now that you made me think about how I say Garrett Gilbert and hearing the name Garrett Gilbert so many times in such a short span is making me think of Gilbert Gottfried, which mm-hmm. made me think, wouldn't it be so amazing if they won? He had an amazing, incredible game. And then at the end, in the post game conversation interview, he sounded just like Gilbert Gottfried.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I would mean, be incredible. I don't I think mean, it's likely. Well, we can dream, right? Like, <laughs> we, don't ruin we my can. America tonight. <laughs> we like, this can. is the, I'm. All <laughs> <laughs>
1: so uh so yeah Washington football team with Garrett Gilbert uh kicking off right now against the Eagles as, and, and as you pointed out I believe we're still looking at what 26 teams or something the Bears got officially eliminated last night what a shame uh we are looking at that many teams that are technically in the hunt still and and that's what allows teams like Washington and the Eagles who have been pretty middling to have a, a real you know a, a real shot at it still even now and and for that to be an incredibly tough hand to play kind of like the browns last night against your raiders right we're at a part of the season that is you know make or break uh, in terms of playoff uh, ability and so many teams are, are playing shorthanded it's it's kind of what the ravens have been doing all season but because of john harbaugh and that system they've been making it work
2: yeah. And, and that's the funny thing. Every year I hear people tell me that the NFL is really built to try and let teams go eight and eight every year. Now, obviously, 17 games, it's going to be nine and eight, eight and nine. But uh, we're seeing that we're seeing that play out this season in a way that I think, you know, we can look at this glass half empty glass half full. I look at it and say, wow, it's crazy to me that we uh, we only have three games left in the regular season at this point, And we genuinely have no idea who's headed to the playoffs. Like that is incredibly exciting. I would also argue though that we have no idea if any of these teams are really all that great. So I can't decide if that's going to make for a great playoff or a a awful playoff full of bad football, but we, we don't know what to expect, and, and that doesn't matter which no matter which game we're talking about. Browns, Raiders last night, Eagles, Washington football team, even Rams and Seahawks. like This is a Rams team that tonight we, we keep looking every week to try and figure out if they're going to become the Rams. We thought they were going to be because it feels like the NFC is more wide open than ever. What is it going to mean for the Rams to play tonight, and how can they manage these situations?
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, SiriusXM Channel 80. Yeah, you're right. We we don't really know what to expect. It's it's almost like college football down the stretch here, where it truly is every game matters for almost every team. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only team that has clinched thus far, technically, is the, is the Packers. Yes.
2: Yeah they yeah that, that's it they're the a only a bunch one. of
1: other teams had a chance to uh there are some that it feels sort of like an inevitability at this point but technically just the, just the packers are going ahead and taking advantage of that opportunity this week um Rams have an opportunity here to build off of that win over the Cardinals because this is a team that people were really hot on, especially when they made those midseason moves to pick up Von Miller and OBJ. You think to yourself, this is a team that's going for it right now. It all began with that massive move to get Stafford in the offseason. They struggled and stumbled a bit, and a lot of people – sort of grasped, uh, clasped their pearls. Is that it? Clasped? Clu- yeah. And uh, and now... Clutched
2: them? Grabbed clutched, them? Clutched.
1: Thank you. Clutched yeah. is what I was looking for. I'm like, that's not right, but just keep it moving, Spain. Yanked their pearls? Um, look at you helping <laughs> me out with words. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, things look, really are I'm, I'm weird giving on giving you spudy, Tuesday. <laughs> Spuddy buddy and yanking your pearls. So far, we are off to a start Some, on something. Somehow Spain yanking
1: your pearls just doesn't sound like it's going for the same meaning as clutching. So we'll stay away from that all together. <laughs> Uh, Seahawks have actually won two games after dropping six of seven, and they've scored 30 points in their last two after their offense was was pretty rough right after Wilson came back from that injury. So this might not be as easy of a matchup for the Rams as maybe we expected when the Seahawks were in that lull.
2: Yeah, well, and I still continue to say that we should have a ton of pe- pressure on the Rams at this point for the way they're constructed, for the way their roster was built. And, you know, we've looked at this season at times is sort of an abject failure because it feels like the rams have beaten up on bad teams and lost the good ones for so much of the season but what's funny to me is when you just look at the standings and where they sit i mean the 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 division they're they're sitting at nine and four they're sitting Mm -hmm. right now at the five seed if they win tonight they'll have the same record as the cowboys at 10 and four who have the two seed. so for a year where we sat there and said oh i'm not sure the rams have really been what we need like the rams have put themselves in a really good situation. No, uh, nobody wants to have to go through Lambo and it looks like that may be inevitable, but the Rams for all of their shortcomings have put themselves right squarely where they wanted to be in the thick of this.
1: Yeah, they do still have COVID issues with uh, I believe it was 18 as of this morning players on the COVID list. Uh so, you know, this is this is a, yet another team that's affected by that. Spain and Fitz. You could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Coming up, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver talked about the NBA's turbulent times and a real-life doctor, not a Twitter doctor, not someone doing his own research <laughs> is going to tell us about this new era of life with covid it's coming up next
0: you're listening to the spain and fitz podcast
1: it's spain and fitz on a tuesday night sarah spain jason fitz will keep you updated on both of the nfl games happening tonight postponed from this weekend to tuesday night football But we got to get into the COVID stuff again, and I know we're all sick of talking about this, but some interesting developments as the NFL changed their testing policy over the weekend. They um, are now, because roughly two-thirds of the cases currently amongst players and staff have been asymptomatic and the remaining are mostly uh, suffering from mild symptoms, The NFL has decided not only to ease the return-to-play protocol for players who test positive, um, but they are also changing their testing. So it's it's going to stop mandated weekly COVID-19 tests for asymptomatic vaccinated players. So a major sort of shift in their approach to the pandemic. Meantime, we also have Adam Silver going on NBA Today with Malika Andrews today talking about Chances that the, NFL, uh, the NBA might pause their season. It's Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Let's get into a little of the Adam Silver and then how you may hear it differently after you hear what a doctor had to tell Pablo Torre on ESPN Daily. Here's Adam.
3: No plans right now to pause the season. We've, of course, looked at all the options. But frankly, um, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now, as we look through these cases, literally ripping through the country right now, putting aside the rest of the world. I think we're finding ourselves where we sort of knew we were going to get to for the past several months. And that is that this virus will not be eradicated and we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I think that's what we're experiencing in the league right now.
1: So. Fitz, when I when you hear that, I think there's a feeling that maybe it's like screw the health of the players. We need to make our money. We're pressing on, um, and I do have very serious concerns about long hauler and the effects of this this decision on staff members who are older, maybe even family members that come in contact with players where they feel confident that the players who are vaxed and boosted will be fine, but maybe not other folks. Um, but I did hear it a bit differently after listening to Dr. Joseph Allen of Harvard on with Pablo on ESPN Daily, saying that we're sort of going to have to accept a different relationship with COVID.
4: The big question in sports right now seems to be, do you eliminate regular testing of asymptomatic vaccinated athletes? But I'm curious what that proposal sounds like to you. I think they have it
3: right. Uh, And I understand why it might sound like it's not right to a lot of people because it's different from what we've been told for the past two years. But there's a new threat out there. We have new tools. So the playbook should be different. Uh, If we're going around testing people who are vaccinated uh, and boosted, we're going to find what the NFL has been finding. We're going to find a lot of these cases. Most are asymptomatic. And uh, so it's a lot less relevant uh, compared to before we had vaccines. I also think it's really important to understand what the goal of testing is, right? So the NFL was testing weekly. That's really good for surveillance. You want to know how well your controls are working. You get an estimate of how many cases you have. But testing as a control strategy needs to be more frequent, especially with Omicron, because the viral kinetics, meaning how fast this virus replicates in our bodies, is such that you could be negative on Monday and be infectious on Tuesday. And so- uh, cases, I believe, are no longer the right metric. I think they were early on. We we're managing around cases. I think you're going to see a shift in 2022. We've been talking about it for a couple of months now, but I think uh, the public's going to be ready for this. And I think the federal government is going to start announcing this too, the Biden administration, that we shouldn't be relying on cases only as the metric. And I, and again, I don't think the NFL by pulling back on testing is diminishing their control strategy. The weekly test wasn't a control strategy. It was a surveillance strategy.
1: Fitz, what do you make of that?
2: So I, I guess if it's not if it's a control strategy or a surveillance strategy, I guess, what is the goal in testing in general? Like they're trying to keep players from spreading to each other and trying to keep all of this, you know, at some level at bay, right? And so I, I understand what he's saying when it comes to testing less actually makes sense in some ways because maybe we're looking at different metrics. but I guess I, I my question is why are we testing at all then? like it, so the, the
1: issue is that if, if players are asymptomatic, they consider it less important to know and to surveil. It's more about controlling the players who are symptomatic. Um, The problem with the new protocols in the NFL is that the virus then might spread undetected, allowing infected players who are asymptomatic to participate. The question is, are we getting to the point where people feel okay with that decision, sort of similar to the way the flu used to be or, or still is, right? I was unaware until COVID that... There were reasons to get the flu shot even if you never get the flu. When people would say, oh, do you get your flu shot? I said, no, I never get the flu. So why would I go get a flu shot if I never get it? The point is the flu is just like COVID. I could have had it every year and given it to other people that were greatly affected by it and not known that I had it at all. Sort of like when we first found out about COVID, that was our biggest fears. I could have it right now and be giving it to people and not even know. So with the flu, if you don't feel fine and you have the flu and you're in the NFL, you're going to play. You're only going to let the flu take you out of a game if the symptoms are so bad you can't compete. It sounds like they're nearing that kind of approach to sports because the fully vaccinated and boosted players, particularly with the Omicron variant, which is accounting for the majority of of the players getting it across the NFL and NBA, are experiencing little to no symptoms, and they are capable of playing. The question, like I said before, is we, we don't know much about long hauler, especially with the Omicron variant, and we also understand that this is much more risky for the elderly, of which there are plenty of coaches and staff members, for unvaccinated folks, which, which exist in both leagues, and of course for family members and other people that these players might come in contact with, where it isn't as simple to say it's okay if they get it as long as they aren't deeply affected by it
2: that's the that's the hardest complication for me because and and I, I would beg everybody to listen to the full context of what i'm saying here as difficult as that is for everybody that they constantly says well why not i mean the flu is a great example that's the thing that we always hear people comparing it to and you're absolutely right like they don't require any of these players to get flu shots for example they you know if they spread the flu they spread the flu that's just we're used to that in society so i guess what what's hard for me is On the one hand, we're saying, okay, because Omicron spreads the way it does, uh, maybe we don't need to test all the time, but we don't have vaccination requirements for all the players at this Mm -hmm. point. They still do have the ability to play if they choose to, not vaccinated. So are we good? Like, is the league good just essentially saying, hey, those players have have chosen their risk, and now that's where they're going to lie, and the same would go for their families? Because I feel like if you're testing less, you have to acknowledge that there's a chance you're part of spreading more.
1: Yeah, and that's the concern, I think, especially with Omicron. What they're finding is that the vaccines that are based in the mRNA technology, which is predominantly... Um, Pfizer and Moderna and not as much J&J and then also a lot of the the different uh, kinds of vaccines globally is that they react differently to Omicron because there are so many mutations in the protein spike, which is what that vaccine is looking for, that it can sort of trick it and make it less likely that your body recognizes the infection and fights it off. So even though the booster and the vaccines are still effective, what they're finding is they are less resistant to Omicron than the previous variants, which means that even those vaccinated and boosted players have a higher likelihood of getting it than they did the early variants. You remember early on the vaccines were incredibly helpful against most variants of COVID, Um, not only not getting sick and hospitalized and dead, but not getting it at all. You were at least five times less likely to get it if you had the vaccine. So far early in Omicron, that's not been the case. And so that is a risk fits that even if you're going to mostly be fine in terms of your reaction to it, like the flu, that doesn't mean that you won't pass it on to other people um, who who maybe aren't able to react to it the same way. And again, we're not in the place with COVID yet that we were with the flu because we lost 600,000 people to it just in our country alone. And there are plenty who are still getting it and dying from it.
2: Yeah. And and look, I'm going to always be the first to be honest with everybody. I I, I am just trying to grasp it, understanding to all of this. And Mm. I am such a a person that just comes in and says, all right, y'all tell me what I need to do and I'll do it because that's (laughs) the way I'm wired with it. I, I, I'm, I, I struggle, like every person listening, to figure out the league's plan versus the risk in all of this for the athletes and for everybody that's around it, but also how they manage their business.
1: Well, and it's hard because they're obviously listening to experts, but you have to balance that with their own needs and desires and capitalism. Coming up, we're going to update you on Tuesday Night Football. Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: This song feels like such a tease right now. Oh, yeah. It's freezing I didn't even Think
1: about that. It's cold. It's just mean.
2: Yeah. Way to taunt us. I think today's the shortest day of the year. I don't know. It it Spain and it's and Fitz on ESPN radio. It is. The darkest day of
1: the year. Shortest,
2: darkest. Yeah. You know what? Every day gets longer from here. How do you like that? Every day we get a little right. bit more sunlight from here all the way. That's a beacon of positivity. She's yes. Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, We're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And we're going to head straight to the Goodyear hotline because Harry Douglas is working basically 24-7 for ESPN right now. So we figured, why not bring him on here to defend some of the takes? You can check him out tomorrow, by the (laughs) way, not just on uh, KJ and Max in the morning, but also on First Take. Harry, as always, you're everywhere. Tonight, we are watching the Seahawks take on the Rams in what you now would contend are the second and third best teams in the NFC West. I want to give you the chance to defend yourself. We're driving around listening to you on Sunday on the radio. You decided that the 49ers are the best team in the NFC West. Did, was that just a moment of weakness or are you going to stand by that, my friend?
5: No, never a moment of weakness. You know, I stand, I stand on my 10 toes, Fits when I say things, <laughs> but it's just a, it's just a brand of football that the, that the 49ers are playing right now. They're five and one of the last six games. And um, I love I think they have a unique set of players who do a variety of different things that can present problems to just about any defense. You look at George Kittle. He's just out of receiving tight end. He can run routes, and he can do it in the run game. You look at Devo Samuel. You can put him anywhere. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if he played defense. But then you look at Brandon Ayuk, another one of those players. And then you look at Kyle Uschik, another one of those players that can present matchup problems with a team if they don't really pay attention to him. But not only that, though, they drafted a guy named Trey Lance. And I understand Trey Lance hasn't played, but it's another one of those wild-card players that if, you get into a play, if they get into the playoffs, you can throw another wrinkle at a defense and make a defensive coordinator stay up all night and try to defend. Not to mention you move to the defensive side of the ball. You look at Nick Bosa. After, I believe it's 15 sacks right now he has in the National Football League. But then I like Eric Armstead. D.J. Jones on that defensive line is playing a good brand of football. Fred Warner, I love them at the linebacker position. They got a couple of guys that they got to get healthy, but I like what they're at. Uh, Jimmy Ward at the safety position and Tart, I like those two guys. They're injured in the secondary at the corner position, but if those guys can just maintain and not give up the big plays, I think that defense would be good. It's one of the better defenses in, in National Football League too.
1: Harry Douglas with us here on Spain and Fitz. I figured out why they played summertime because it's not hot season. It's hot take season. It's Harry mm-hmm. just throwing around. No. Uh, listen. I like yesterday on Good Take Hot no, Take, they no, both Sarah, said, here no, Sarah, not throwing around." <laughs> <laughs> meaning what i say i mean what
5: i say I stand by it. Del- deliberately we both and intentionally delivered said, people believe
1: delivery. harry and he's convincing us but it still feels like a hot take for the niners to be a better team than than other teams in that division that just you know especially if you go back to the to the middle of the season but if you're talking about lately they certainly are putting together quite an argument uh, for for you know being a team in contention well, let well, Sarah, let's, Sarah yeah.
5: that's that, that's the thing when, when you're looking at the national football league and 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 who's surging during playoff team, you don't look at the beginning of the year.
0: Right. Because
5: anybody can start off good, but then if they don't finish, you look at the Arizona Cardinals last year. They started off great. You look at the Raiders. They started off great. Sorry, Fitz. But they didn't fit they not they didn't <laughs> finish well last year. And I don't know. Maybe they're gonna finish well this year. Maybe they won't. I don't know, Fitz. Where they gonna be? What are they gonna do? I'm just yeah. saying it's all about I how know, you're playing I'm going right to... now.
1: It is. It, it is a Garoppolo similar. Stepping up absolutely in recent games has been a really big difference. Let's talk about the Titans because they're a team that has had extreme highs and extreme lows. Some of the offense, I think you, you laid it out the other day on, on one of the shows, you know, their second half was something like punt, fumble, fumble, interception, punt, turnover on downs. Yeah. Uh, that offense just struggling and they looked like they would bounce back a little bit after Derrick Henry was out. To what do you attribute their recent struggles
5: I would say one of the things, I think their offensive line has to be better. But then you got to look at this. They're without Derrick Henry. They're without A.J. Brown. They're without Julio Jones, right? Uh, Josh Reynolds, he's no longer with the Tennessee Titans. He's with the Detroit Lions and balled out and had a good game the other day against the Arizona Cardinals. So when you look at the skill position players for the Tennessee Titans, that's what they're lacking right now, uh, mainly. You look at their defense. I love their defense, they're solid across the board. And they still have guys who are getting healthy on that side of the ball. So if they can just get guys healthy um, and, and get them out there playing and on a consistent level, then this team is a scary team to be playing during playoff time as well.
2: Do you have a problem with Ryan Tannehill at this point?
5: Um, he he can be better. He can be better. Um, I, I think he just needs to step it up a little bit more, especially – uh when, when you're down a lot of guys, now I understand he, he's not playing with the, the best of skill position players. Uh I'm not gonna sit here and say they can't play because they're in the National Football League for a reason, but when you're down so many guys, I think entirely the offense, you can't make mistakes. Guys fumbling the football, um, Tannehill fumbling, not taking care of the football. You you can't make those kind of mistakes when you're already handicapped at skill position um, at, at the skill positions.
1: Yeah, Tanhill's been an interesting one to me where you're always trying to figure out whether the failures come um, you know, because he's really not that great and he's just a guy who can work well in a system or if it's just an inconsistent guy, just like the team who has who has ups and downs. I consider him better than just a mediocre QB, but lately it's been uh it's been pretty ugly. Hey, there's game going on right now. In fact, there are two. The Eagles are down 10 nothing early. Garrett Gilbert leading the way for Washington. Uh, of of the teams that are sort of hanging around, like the Eagles, like Washington Football Team, is there one on the on the playoff edge that you'd like to see make it, and you think could actually do something?
0: Um,
5: uh, I don't even think it matters to either one of these teams. I think they're going to be one and done regardless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Washington Football Team or the Eagles, if either one of them make the playoffs, they're going to be one and done either way it goes. But I just think the, the Washington football team right now, and I actually picked the Eagles to win this game because of Garrett Gilbert starting and he just coming to the team and trying to figure things out. But the first drive for the Washington football team should have told everybody what they need to know. It was Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gibson Antonio Gibson. <laughs> uh, but, but, but Garrett Gilbert started throwing the football a little bit more on, on, on the last trial. They just scored a field goal on uh but I don't know. This this game is well, interesting. maybe not those enough, two, the then. The Eagles.
1: Yeah, yeah maybe Say it's it – is it the Saints? Is it the Ravens? Is it the Steelers? Is it another team that's sort of on the bubble that you'd like to see that you think could do something, if not Washington and Philly?
5: Oh, well, I'll tell you this. If, if the Saints make the playoffs, that's not good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they have to match up with them again. <laughs> um, I like the 49ers. I think the 49ers can present a lot of problems for just about everybody in the NFC, uh, a team who's been there and done it and has carryover from that Super Bowl run team. Um, so I'll, I'll stick with the 49ers as the team I'm high on right now.
2: We're talking to Harry Douglas, by the way. You can check him out in the morning on ESPN Radio. Uh, I'm always curious, Harry, to get a former player's thoughts on body language and whether or not it really matters. I was talking to Jeff Saturday the other day, and he he was pretty hard on Kyler Murray and the way Kyler Murray has sort of acted – after some things have gone wrong for the Cardinals. How much stock do you put into that? Is there reason for concern in your mind?
5: Uh, Yeah, it is. Number one, I don't like it. That's one of the things I hate when it comes to any any kind of sport. I don't like when people show people up and show those type of emotions, uh, which we call bad energy, uh, energy vampire, right? Uh, Especially being at the quarterback (laughs) position. Body language is everything. If everyone sees you acting like that, they're going to think it's okay to act like that. And then you don't ever throw your arms up. Um, at a receiver, because I mean, it's plenty of times a receiver could probably go to you and say, "Hey, you missed this. You didn't do this." So, I, my 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 coach in the National Football League always told me, "Man, don't never do that. You'll never show up your teammate or anything like that." But you look at him times when he go to the sideline. He's had his head up in the air, up back against the bench, and it's just I don't know, man. He he, he got to get it together because body language. We used to find a not meeting rooms for bad body language.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean. Do you do that for coaches too? Because Matt Nagy was leading the way if he wanted to show his players how to get penalized <laughs> for loss last night. <laughs> things around on the
5: hey, Matt Nagy, you got to keep your composure, man. You you're, yeah, you're already have you Keep
4: your composure. <laughs> good luck
2: with uh, that. Harry, I, I just need you to work in one. Number Number one, your earrings looked spectacular on TV today. Number two, <laughs> if you just want to work in some sort of like little nod on first take for me, just something that we know is really for Spain and Fitz, like just a little, you know, a little, little wink or something, what like you when you're do you going like have after trouble it just reading
1: to... or not know what word to use so, or what's the best but, but way to see, shout Fitch, you out. <laughs> this,
5: this is this is what you know about me, Fitch. Like you're my fraternal twin, you're my brother. Everything I say <laughs> is like you're saying it too. Okay, wow. one band, one sound, my oh, brother. That's
2: special. Look at that. See, that's why you're the best. They check him out in the morning the all, all over ESPN,
1: saying how smart he is, and then with you, it's. Like... Well,
2: different. <laughs> well, well, that's because Harry Harry makes it look good. It makes it sound good too. Harry, we appreciate you, my friend. Get some rest. Have a great morning. Harry. You can check out Harry on KJ and M- hey, uh, and First Take tomorrow.
5: Check, check this out. The funny thing about it is that I need to get rest, but I don't have time to get rest. I got to watch these games, and I can't currently see the Seahawks and Rams games, so I'm gonna have to watch that after oh, the Washington football team go off and take my notes and do all that. Uh, those sports type never of things. sleeps, so, man. It's all good.
1: That's
2: right. Yeah, neither does Harry Douglas. Harry, appreciate (laughs) you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. No problem. You can tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast. get you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. Available wherever you enjoy your podcast. All right, coming up, we'll update you on both NFL games. And more importantly, it's time to get into French fries, potatoes, and Spuddy Buddies. That's next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
2: It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM generally. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We got Tuesday night football going on, which, you know, raise your hand if you expected that to be something that we said coming into the season uh, tonight. But we got two games that both have a ton of significance to the playoff uh, standings right now, and uh, one of them is going a little bit surprisingly, I would say, as our new favorite name to say on this show, at least mine, Garrett Gilbert. At this <laughs> point, is completing four of six passes, a passer rating of one hundred and nine point seven. Early on, Washington up on Philly ten nothing. That's right, Garrett Gilbert, Washington up on Philly ten to nothing. I can hear Kevin Nagandi's head exploding from all the way across the country. Like the just Eagles fans right now have to be just apoplectic. Uh, Jalen Hurts, by the way, five of six to sixty-seven yeah, uh, yards with one word. interception. It was, well, you know, every once in a while, I just, every once in a while I like to use it, but like most movies that I quote, I use it just uncomfortably wrong enough that everybody feels like they <laughs> need got to it correct this time. me. That's you nailed apoplexy. No, thank you, you nailed
1: so it. much. Um, yeah, well, you know. Not only are those two games going on, uh, the Rams leading the Seahawks 3 nothing, Washington football team up 10 on the Eagles, but. Wyoming just beat Kent State 52-38 in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which, as I mentioned earlier, our intrepid producer for the day, Chris, said is, is a, a literal bowl. Uh, which, by the way, when you picture that, when I say that the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is a literal bowl, do you think of a potato in a bowl with a bunch of stuff in it? Or do you think of the potato itself serving as the bowl, sort of like a bread bowl, but made of potato?
2: It's a definitely a potato bread bowl. Like there's no doubt about this. Like it's right, a, right, it's right, one right. of those p- potatoes but, that you're like, how did they combine it? Where, why is it right, so big? It's a right. genetic is it freak potato. It's a because, county fair potato.
1: Yeah. Cause it's gotta be in some sort of foil, if not another bowl, because potatoes don't have the quite the structural integrity that a bread bowl does, especially when you start digging into the insides, that that, that outer skin kind of falls apart in a way that the bread bowl doesn't. So I would suggest maybe some foil.
2: I don't know. Well, foil is a healthy way to go or you could salt the skin, throw it in a fryer. And that way, when you cut into it and Mm -hmm. like and again, I'm going county fair sized potato, which is roughly the size of a large uh, MacBook. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know how they do that in certain parts of the country. Like, I'm not sure what they do to get the potatoes that big, but I'm all in for it. So I'm thinking it's that size potato that's been gutted in the middle and then filled with all of the loaded baked potato items.
1: Mm, okay. I like that. Um, and now that you mentioned big potatoes, I wanted to alert you to the presence of um, a potato that was originally invented uh, in order to be um, an ad, like a moving ad for, and, and a charitable effort across the country. There was a one year truck tour of the United States to mark the Idaho Potato Commission's 75th anniversary, and they created a 24 24- Eight foot long, six ton steel and concrete potato replica, what? and then after it spent seven years on the road and 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 you know did its job, I guess promoting the potato commission, uh, what to do with it, right? What do you do with a retired 28 foot long potato? And a woman who builds tiny houses and has a number of different a- uh, Airbnbs turned it into a hotel, and you could stay there. And it's called the big potato hotel and it's even bigger than the state fair potatoes that you mentioned um it is a giant potato uh and it's been fenced and landscaped there's sweet potato vines growing on it um you know you can uh, I gotta, stay I gotta, I gotta in the potato
2: with it though sarah like why has why it got so much metal involved? Like, I want it to be like a Rose Bowl float where it's just potato crammed on some sort of chicken wire where well, I can eat it while I stay at the hotel. Like, that's what okay. I'm looking to do. Like, I'm looking to, like, give me a spoon. And let me scoop the walls while I'm staying there.
1: The problem again would be structural integrity. Listen, we all would like it to be more like a real potato, but if you're talking 28 feet long, you're going to need some metal and some wire in there, and you don't want it collapsing on you. What if you take a particularly large bite in a part that's load-bearing?
2: Uh, I'm, well, here's what I'm thinking, though. Like, you make the wall of mashed potatoes so thick. Like, you, you're basically making, like, I don't know, a 12-foot wall of potato. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're just going to have to, like, you got, like, a is big there a bucket of potato.
1: Is there a warning layer of, like, bacon bits? And when you get to there, that's when you know you have to stop after the bacon bits? Well, so, presumably, if you get to bacon bits, you're not going to be able to stop. But, you know, so that you know after that is some sort of structural version of the potatoes maybe at that point it becomes like a like a more of a of a potatoes julienne or au gratin even maybe the cheese is what lets you know but th- then no, again you can't, you, get stop gratin, the cheese. Potatoes, you can't stop
2: no, what you do is you put the uncooked broccoli right there that doesn't have any cheese oh, next to it. So now you've yes. gotten to the veggie that nobody right. wants. Right, Right, and, and it'd be
1: fine if they were willing to cook it all the way through, but they throw it on afterwards and it's not fully steamed, which is right. which is a real problem. By the way, this is completely random, but I was talking to this guy the other day that's lived in my neighborhood forever and ever, and he lived in it, and he was in this really old building, was the first place he lived, and they had multiple layers of wall. He went to do some construction in a closet, and when they opened up the wall, they realized that there were like like. like five layers of brick in there and they found a full body in his wall from the 1970s and the guy was bound and gagged and I don't know how it didn't smell but probably the five straight brick walls but this dude was just in the wall like somebody killed him and then they were like you know what we should do let's just build a building around him so that no one can find him isn't that wild
2: so you know, similarly, several years ago, when I was living in East Nashville at the time, I was at uh, I was at this event, and this little kid came up and he uh, that lived on the street, and he was like, "Hey, you you guys live at this house?" And I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh, that's the one where the uh, where the guy's buried in the backyard." And I was like, "Excuse me." And oh, He's no. like, "Yeah, yeah, buried in the backyard." So I just bought the house, so I called you mean the realtor, and I'm like, six dogs in it." yeah i was like is there is there somebody is there somebody buried in the backyard and so then we go back and we find out that yeah the original owner of the house it was his dream house so when he died they just buried him in the backyard and you didn't have to disclose it because he didn't die on the property he wasn't killed on the property he was just buried in the property Mm. so i found out that the original owner was in the backyard of the house the whole time creep me out
1: Well, you know if you start to put in a pool keep in mind where you're digging uh you my oh. friend actually paid for a service that told her whether someone had died in the house she wanted to buy because she oh. was very afraid of ghosts and i did not realize that service existed or that you were required to tell people uh speaking of okay we were talking about the Idaho potato bowl <laughs> and we were t- we were talking about Um, whether or not the famous potato name existed before the bowl or that they named the bowl the famous potato bowl in order to try to convince people that their potatoes were famous. As it turned out, potatoes were famous way before the bowl and they called them the Idaho famous potatoes way before. But then they just named the bowl that to reinforce. And so I went to the website to do some of the digging on the history here and I discovered that there is a Dr. Potato Now, they do let you know that Dr. Potato is not a real doctor, but a team of potato experts are going to answer all of your potato-related questions on his behalf. But I'm in the midst of trying to find out about Dr. Potato when I learned about Spuddy Buddy, who is apparently the mascot for the Idaho Potato Commission. I don't know why you need a doctor that's not a doctor and you need a mascot. Um, Apparently... He's a, he's, by all appearances, he looks a little like Mr. Potato Head, but he's got longer arms and legs, and he's wearing sneakers, um, and, you know, I just thought people needed to know about the Spuddy Buddy, Dr. Potato, the Potato Hotel, and I also thought maybe we should change the name of our show after taking all of these into consideration to something that also tries to convince people how awesome we are, right? Yeah, like the the super
2: great reading Spain and Fitz, like... (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 or like the... You know, uh, Oscar award-winning. Just put it out there and see if people don't do the research to find out if it's true.
2: With the egot show, we'll just call it the egot show.
1: Oh yeah! I mean, between the two of us, we've got two, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, we go. You were only nominated.
1: I actually won. No, I got a Grammy. I got the Grammy. Oh, I got the amazing. ESPN
2: Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> Saving your bundle, auto, home, motorcycle, insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, Madison Square Garden, shade like you've never heard.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us. On the Goodyear Hotline, and you guys can hang out with us on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz. We're going to get some uh, questions out by there for you uh, regarding some grievances, which we'll get to in a second. But first, uh, we do have an update on Tuesday night football. Feels so weird still to be saying that we are now looking at a goal to goal situation. And right now, the uh, you know, Philadelphia Eagles are looking at a second and goal from the Washington two yard line, trying to get it in there as they are down ten to nothing in this game early on. Also, in the second quarter, the Rams lead Seattle three to nothing. So, uh, we're, we'll keep you updated on those as we get more scoring, if we get more scoring. But, Sarah, there are bigger things to talk about right there now. Are. There are more fun things to talk about right now mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Christmas week because this week happens to be one of my favorite weeks for your podcast because it's a time to hear people vent a little yeah. bit.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not just Christmas week, mind you. Christmas uh, is not till the end of the week, but we're just two days away from Festivus. Uh, which is for the rest of us. Uh, And if you're not aware of Festivus, it was actually invented by a writer, which he introduced to his family. And then Seinfeld writer, who was the son of the guy who invented Festivus, made a whole episode about it. It became famous. And now I use it as an opportunity to invite some of my favorite podcast guests or sports people to talk about their sports grievances. So this week's that's what she said with Sarah Spain. Not only features a whole bunch of sports grievances, I also read my Twas the Night Before Christmas poem that takes hours and hours and hours to make. So please listen to it and read it and enjoy it. Uh, but I-, I picked one of the grievances, my favorite of the grievances, uh, to-, to-, to share here and perhaps spark an idea of some of our listeners about grievances of their own. So here's, here's Josh Bard from Around the Horn with his grievance from my podcast.
4: Here's this week's not to the pop. Happy holidays and a very happy Festivus to everyone, except the people who think that Madison Square Garden is a massively important building. Ooh, it's the most famous arena in the world, people won't stop saying. Oh, it's the Mecca, we are incessantly reminded. God forbid New Yorkers not be able to claim they have the greatest anything in the world. Have any of you people ever even been to Madison Square Garden? Kevin Durant didn't want to play there, he chose Brooklyn. LeBron James didn't want to play there, he willingly went back to Comic Sans Cleveland. Even Michael Jordan thought the Wizards were a better option. People got excited last week because Steph broke the three point record there. Oh, what a perfect setting! The same place where Nick's most famous fan got embarrassed by Reggie Miller's three pointers. Where Jordan had 55, Kobe had 61, and Alonzo Mourning used Knicks coach Jeff Van Gundy as a human leg mop. Field a bad enough team and there will always be opponents' highlights and milestones in your building. A really great business plan, guys. No, no, I haven't forgotten the Rangers and their 1994 Stanley Cup. So inflated in nostalgia, it covers up that it's their only one since World War II. Here's what MSG is. It's old. It's had a lot of work done to make it not look as old as it really is, and yet it still needs more work done. It's basically a real housewife, but without any of the gaudy rings. Ain't no grievance like an MSG grievance, because an MSG grievance don't stop. People want to give Madison Square Garden awards for just existing, like some 3rd grade soccer team, let's at least give them some awards they actually deserve. Congrats, Madison Square Garden. You are the most famous arena in the world that is built directly over an Amtrak station that smells like pee. Or, congrats, MSG. You are the greatest basketball court in the world that hangs a banner for Billy Joel concert sellouts. No one celebrates sellouts like you. And maybe, congrats, Madison Square Garden. You're the best place for finance bros to cosplay in a jersey and yell bing bong while checking their phones for updated crypto prices. Congrats, MSG. You're actually the worst.
0: For more, please subscribe and listen to That's What She Said with Sarah Spang on your smart speaker or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: I just want to point out that Renee in back there on the board is not happy with that grievance. He's in the background No, like, what's he so angry about? This is <laughs> not
4: cool. Do not trash <laughs> Madison Square Garden for the love of everything. Point that's good in
1: out – Point out the lie. Spot the, the lie. lie. The,
4: the one truth that I will say is the Amtrak station does smell like pee.
1: <laughs> you do not agree. That's that the it one is truth a that place got out that of has That has had a lot of work to look less old, but could still use a lot of work.
4: I will never ever slander Madison Square Garden. <laughs> But he what is, a, he what is, a great he line! Is angry by the way, for no reason.
1: It has had a lot of work to look less old, but it still needs more work. Kind of like Real Housewives without all the gaudy rings. Yeah, because there aren't any rings—not any time recently.
2: <laughs> I mean, that was really well delivered it and was. incredibly well written, and. You know, and look, I mean, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, like Madison Square Garden is on my tattoo on my right arm. Well, the, the, the worst show I've probably ever played in my life was at Madison Square Garden because I had so much adrenaline. I couldn't believe I was playing the garden, but I'll never forget walking in as we were playing that night to to play a concert there. And I was 10 years older than everybody else on tour. And everybody else on that tour was like, man, this place is a dump. Like if you don't if you didn't grow up around the garden with that history for it that, that sort of hits you. It doesn't hit. It's poorly lit. The angles are okay. It's uh, it, it all looks like it needs to be remodeled. Like the next night we played Barclays and everybody was like, "Now this is an arena." Like that that's real for the young folks.
4: All right,
1: so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, is. It. It is to me, the problem is the idea that every time there's a big-name free agent in the NBA, people are like, oh, yeah, they want to go to MSG, and it's like, dude, those guys weren't born the last time it was hopping. That place hasn't been something since those dudes were alive, and the idea that they would want to go there just because of MSG, knowing full well that Dolan is still running the place— Come on, it's just exhausting That's the the only beef I have And I will fully admit that I've never been to MSG Which is pretty wild, and I do want to go um, but, I, but I'm but i still totally here for the slander. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. By the way, don't forget to tune in to That's What She Said, the podcast hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. So you can go listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, some other things people complained about were lengthy replay reviews terrible mm-hmm. analogies from coaches instead of just giving it to a straight... Um, challenges in the NBA, a whole bunch of things got shade from folks given their grievances, but we want to know what yours are. And you could be a part of Spain and Fitz nation at Sarah Spain at Spain and Fitz at Jason Fitz. Tell us what your big sports grievance is. Um, I think Fitz mine would be extremely rich college coaches complaining about NIL, especially the retired ones that are now living in one of their many homes because of the money that was made for them by these players who are mad about them, you know, getting $50,000 from a car dealership. That would be my grievance.
2: I, I would stay in the same sport and say I have a, a huge grievance with adults that root for college football teams that then go to social media to trash kids for making decisions yes. on where they want to get their, their opportunities from. Like yes. that is that is absolutely near the top of my list. Uh, always one of my favorites. Although I'm realizing that I'm the worst because I don't really mind replays. I'm all in for getting it. Just get it right. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Oh, like no. I'm the worst. You, 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 oh, that that mean, that's fact. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the worst, it's been about the worst week you can imagine for scheduling across all the sports. We'll get an insider to give us the latest from a turbulent week in the NBA next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz uh-huh. on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're wondering why we're laughing at this, uh, it is because the last segment, you need to go back and listen to it on the podcast. You need to Mm -hmm. listen to Sarah's podcast this week. That's what she said is the airing of grievances led to some harsh things being said about Madison Square Garden. It has one of our incredible people behind the scenes, Renee, sort of in his feels as he's a big New York guy. So he's not appreciating all of this let's get some thoughts on really the NBA as a whole but also on all things Madison Square Garden we'll head over to the Goodyear hotline where we're joined by Tim Bontemps ESPN NBA insider joining us there with some straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless Tib uh, you didn't hear it but there was just some grievances aired uh, regarding Madison Square Garden essentially reminding everybody that it's old and it's not the selling point it used to be (laughs) uh, that we overblow the power of the garden Uh, what does your garden take my friend uh, I mean, I think it's a great
6: place to watch a basketball game, and at some point the Knicks will be a really good team again, and it will be fun. But, um, but yeah, I don't I don't have any – I mean, my only issue with the Garden is that they have this, the slowest elevator in the history of mankind and the uh, work entrance to get up to our seats. But other than that, it's, it's a pretty cool place to watch a game.
1: Spoken like a man who doesn't want his Menchies on fire. I respect yeah. that. Uh, he understands.
4: Uh, I, mean, Tim I love going to the
6: garden. I just, it, the, <laughs> the, the freight elevator at the, we're at the media entrance is literally the slowest elevator in the history of mankind. Does it's it been have a billion dollars dog? Place, and they haven't done a thing with that.
1: Doesn't have that cartoon dog going down? Uh, maybe that's the problem. Uh, Tim Bontemps with us here <laughs> on Spain and Fitz. Hey, Adam Silver, what's the biggest takeaway for you today? Um, saying, you know, no plans to pause the season. In fact, sort of believing that they're just going to power through.
6: I mean, I think that was the biggest takeaway when Malik asked and Malik Andrews asked him, if Do you have any plans to stop the season, he said, I can't, we can't come up with any reason why we would stop. Right. That's, that's, that was the biggest takeaway to me. Uh, you know, the NBA is going to push ahead full throttle and try to finish this season. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's all that they're going to really say on the matter. Right. Like they're not going to, I mean, they had to postpone some games over the past week because of these outbreaks of COVID, but with the replacement player rules that they put into place to give teams the ability to, you know, add guys on the fly to make up when they have COVID absences. I mean, it's just very clear that um, their number one objective is to make it through to the end of this season um, and keep this thing rolling. And I think barring some pretty drastic changes in the way people are um, reacting to this virus in terms of it causing people to get severely ill. um, I, I don't think that, Dance is going to change anytime soon if at all
2: so one thing i feel like i've asked you at every step of this process tim is the players like like, how are they feeling how comfortable are they playing basketball right now from the ones that you've been able to get any indication from
6: um you cut out for a second i apologize i, I, couldn't, yeah, I couldn't how, pick that how, up how comfortable are, are like, the
2: players playing right right now
6: i think the player's I mean, look. I think the players are, in general, frustrated about, um, you know, getting COVID after being vaccinated. You know, and and I think that's probably where the biggest frustration is. But I, I don't think, I don't think players are asking the league to stop playing. You know, that's not the impression I get. I mean, obviously, they want people to be healthy, and they're frustrated that people are getting COVID. But you know, there's not. I haven't heard any real clamoring for anything to stop i think everybody is sort of just understanding that this is the situation i think adam think the way adam silver said it today you know he's like i think he said at one point this is the hand we've been dealt i think that's sort of how everybody's take is on it whether it's players or coaches or executives it's like we got to just grit our teeth and bear it and deal with the next month or two and get to the other side and then hopefully things will be a lot better come springtime
1: I really hope, uh, and I understand it, as players, they've got a lot to focus on. It's really hard to keep up with the latest, but I hope they're at least communicating with the players the reason why initial strains of the of the virus made it five times less likely to get when you were vaccinated and that the vaccinated vaccines actually worked better than expected early on, but that the mutations of the virus are the reason that it's less effective against current strains. I think it can be frustrating to feel like you were misled into getting something, even though it's been very clear via hospitalizations and deaths that being vaccinated is the choice, um, even if you can still get the virus. Uh, the reaction is so much less but I think it's hard to have those conversations and to communicate that because it is so fluid which is the word we keep using Tim Bontemps CSPN NBA insider with us here on Spain and Fitz the fluid situation of Kyrie Irving's return what do we know about the shape he's in what do we know about how long it might be before he's out of protocols on the court and ready to go in an actual game
6: Well, we don't know much because we haven't talked to Kyrie Irving since media day uh, because he's basically been uh, away from the team since then. Uh, He practiced for a few days that first week, and then he hasn't since. Really outside of a couple of Instagram videos, um, there really hasn't been any sign-ups. So uh, he went into the protocols on Friday, I believe, Friday or Saturday. Um, So he would probably be in them, I would guess, for for about 10 days. So sometime probably around a week from now, he would get out of them, and then – uh, I believe at that point the Nets have a few home games in a row. Uh, I'm going to try to look that up on the fly here while we're talking. Uh, yeah, so they they come back from the West Coast next, uh, next Monday. They play at home against Philly on Thursday, and then they have a home stand until um, January 5th in Indiana against the Pacers. So my guess would be um, that would probably be the first time he would um, he would have a chance to be on the court. Uh, but they only have one other home game after, or one other road game after that until um, uh, the middle of the month when they go to Cleveland wow. and Washington and San Antonio and Minnesota. So, um, you know, I mean, with the way this is set up right now, and certainly with the Omicron variant, it's hard to see this, the rules changing in New York anytime soon anyway. Um, you know, he – He's going to still need a while to get into game shape, I would assume. And then even once he's in game shape, there's not going to be a ton of opportunities for the next few weeks for him to get on the court based off the number of home games that the Nets have because, you know, for those who don't know who are listening, he, because Kyrie isn't vaccinated and he, uh, um, he doesn't meet the requirements of being in an arena in New York City, so he is not able to play at either Madison Square Garden or Barclays Center, so he has to wait to play in road games.
2: So should we even care? I mean, there's so few opportunities for him to play to get any sort of rhythm with the guys. What impact can he make on the court?
6: Well, we should care because one of the, you know, whether he's one of the top 25 players or 30 or 40, or whatever, a, a really good player is going to be playing half the games. And uh, we've never really seen anything like this before. So I I think it's worth caring about and paying attention to. It's just, The reality of the situation is because he can only play in road games uh, and they have a fairly heavy road schedule the next few weeks. Um, This is the reality that the Nets have signed up for and Kyrie will be able to practice and he'll be able to play in road games, just not in home games. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, this is inherently part of the problem with what they're doing, right? They're going to have to, um, they're going to have to try to keep everybody in rhythm when they're only playing road games and, they're going to have to deal with all the questions that come with, you know, whether they're winning without him at home, whether, they're, uh, whether they, they're losing with him at home and winning on the road or vice versa. I mean, there's going to be questions about it regardless of how it shakes out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, like it always is with Kyrie, it's going to be a, uh, a very interesting story worth uh, following along.
1: Real quick before we let you go, and it's Tim Bontemps, CSPN NBA Insider. we got about a minute left. Is there a team that maybe the last couple weeks has changed your perception of them after their start this season?
6: Um, well, I would say that uh, two teams that have surprised me how well they've played are the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. both of whom right, are way, way better than I thought. I did not think the Bulls. You know, it was pretty loud that I thought your Bulls, Sarah, were going to struggle this year, at least to meet expectations, because I didn't think they were going to be able to play good enough defense. And they've right. been fantastic. It's been incredible to watch. Um, they've been phenomenal at that end of the court, far better than I would have guessed they could have been. Um, so they've been awesome. It's been great to see. And uh, the Cavs have been the best story in the league. I mean, this team has been a disaster ever since LeBron left. They trade for Ricky Rubio. They draft Evan Mobley. Now, he and Jared Allen are the best interior big combination in the league defensively, probably. Cleveland has the second-best defense in the NBA, only behind the Warriors. And our internal data has them having the best chance to be the number one seed in the East by the wow. end of the season, which would be a truly wild story if that yeah. happened. So those are two um, great ones. Those two teams, have, Yeah, those two teams have uh, both played a lot better than I expected, and they've been really impressive.
2: Tim, we appreciate your time, my friend. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Tim Dontemps giving us the Straight Talk, Straight Talk Wireless. No contracts, no compromise. We'll get into some good takes, hot takes, all sorts of bloviating gas bags next on Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Two Tuesday night football games going on. We're tied 3-3 at the half, Rams and Seahawks. And we're about to head Real to barn halftime. there. In the other game, also tied 10 10, Washington, Eagles. Uh, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We usually do a good take, hot take on Mondays, reacting to a whole weekend of bloviating gas bags sharing their takes. But since the NFL schedule was extended into last night and tonight, we figured round two of good take, hot take. And there were so many that we got to do it almost quickie style. We're going to do it quickly. It's good take, hot take.
0: Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes.
3: takes. Give the
0: damn ball
1: and let him decide.
0: But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz.
1: Let's start with our guy, Mike Tannenbaum. He was all over the airwaves, TV and radio today, and he was taken. Here's what he had to say about Jonathan Taylor, Colts running back, and his MVP candidacy on KJM.
7: Because he's not a quarterback, and anybody that thinks that a running back should be uh, in the MVP conversation should be on double secret probation. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a great player. I mean, if we want to talk about player of the year or performance of the year, that's wonderful. For MVP. Because he's not a quarterback, and anybody that – Thinks yeah. that a running back should That's be uh the MVP All right, So do
1: we do we agree with this, Fitz? The idea that he he would somehow not qualify, that not only is it a quarterback award in reality, but in actual precedence that there would be a rule for that?
2: No, that's a hot take. And look, I, I mean, I, I know that we fall in love with quarterbacks, but let's also be real. Jonathan Taylor managed to beat the Patriots in a game where the Patriots couldn't stop him. No matter what they tried to do, doesn't that have some meaning and value? If the Patriots can't beat you, like that usually should get you some street cred in the conversation. They won a game where Carson Wentz was what, 5 of 12. I mean, good God, he was abysmal and they still won. So I, my, I think the stock's only going up on Jonathan Taylor.
1: Yeah, I'm of the opinion that even though a quarterback usually wins it, and yeah, they probably do dictate more whether a team is any good or not, I think we can at least talk about it when a guy is doing what something like Jonathan Taylor's doing, and he can be in the conversation for MVP. Certainly not removed with with disrespect the way Mike Tannenbaum did today. Hey, speaking of Mike Tannenbaum, he's got another take for us today. I told you he was all over the place taking today. On KJM, he also talked about the Jags coaching opening.
7: The Jacksonville Jaguars, with the right coach, like a Jim Caldwell, Dan Quinn, Doug Peterson, should be in the playoffs next year. This is a historically great opening because you're going to get DJ Chark back, Travis Etienne back. You're going to have a $40 million competitive advantage. On day one that I get the job, I'm calling up Devontae Adams and saying, hey, congratulations, you're a Jacksonville Jaguar. And just fill in the blank because you can't overpay him. Now you have a number one receiver. And if you could defend your Jonathan Taylor and your Derrick Henry, we will be in the playoffs next year. We have no state income tax. We play on grass. We practice on grass. So, Devontae Adams, if you want to be cold and leave money on the table, stay in Green Bay. If you want to be warm and make more money, come down to Jacksonville.
1: Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say a hot take here. A historically good opening. At a place that's had what five coaches in the last ten years or so, he, and and the, the the things he had to say about that. Well, first you got to get these guys back, and then you got to spend enough money to get one of the best wide receivers to decide to come and play for you, and maybe some other players too, because it's been pretty clear that this team doesn't have very many good players on it. And yet somehow they should be a playoff team just because Shark and Etienne come back, and because you got all that money to spend, you got to spend it on the right people. I, I just, I to me, the the Jags are not a historically great opening, even though they've yeah, got the money.
2: Well, and there's a lot of teams next year that have money. Uh, that, this is a hot take. Also, he said no state income tax. They play on grass and they practice on grass. Well, same thing can be said about the Raiders. I'm not going to say that. that's a historically great job opening. And, right. and frankly, uh, the, the Titans year in and year out, fans will come in and say, hey, we have no state income tax. We're going to get free agents. It doesn't work that way. Like we all think it should when we're analyzing it, but free agents go uh, wherever they want to go. And I don't think it plays as much a role as uh, Mike does right there.
1: Kind of like MSG, huh? It's like keeps getting trotted out. And you're like, they don't care. They don't care as much as you think they do. Uh, and Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, quickly moving through round two of good take, hot take of the week. Here's Jeff Saturday. He was on Get Up today and talked about why he thinks Aaron Rodgers should stay in Green Bay.
7: If you look at what Matt LaFleur has been able to do with this football team, the strength of their defense now, their setup offensive line, they got Dylan uh, and, I mean, like, like and Jones, they, they – He has put the pieces and parts together, and I know we have criticized the wide receiver position, but if they can keep Devontae Adams there, I mean, it is, why would you want to go anywhere else? Again, there is something about having to go learn a new place. Very rarely does it turn out like Tom Brady made it turn out. And and again, if they'll give you what you want, which is conversation in the front office, which I think the Green Bay Packers are going to, I, I just don't, I do not see why you would want to leave.
1: What do you think? Good take, hot
2: take? I, I think it's a good take. Now, I mean, he, he mentioned Brady. I'll also add Peyton to that, right? Like, I think the presumption is that a new place will learn the quarterback when your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers more than the quarterback will learn the new place. But everything he says there is really sound logic. If you can fix it, stay where you are. I mean, right now, the Packers, number one seed currently in the playoff standings. They're constantly in the Super Bowl conversation. I, there's a lot to, for, to be very happy about if you're Aaron Rodgers, if he can find that piece with the situation.
1: Yeah, it's a good take if Aaron Rodgers is prioritizing winning. Uh, This is a really good team, and he has a really good shot of winning next year as well. It's a good coach, and as much as we bellyache about him not having enough weapons and not having the right people around him, he's got good players. The question is whether that's what he cares about most, and I don't think any of us can venture a guess about what's going on inside Aaron Rodgers' head. He's currently spouting... Uh, The kind of facts that are popularized by QAnon folks right now as we speak while wearing an anti-cancel culture shirt, despite the fact that he has not been canceled. In fact, he can be heard on national media every day and seen and talked about as an MVP and is celebrated all the time. Uh, but that doesn't seem to get in the way of how he's thinking, which means I really don't know what he wants. Does he just want to stick it to gutekunst? Does he want to find somewhere else to idolize him? Uh, Does he want to be comfortable in Green Bay because they accept him despite some of the flaws that have emerged this season? Nobody really knows. Uh, The argument that he made was good. Uh, Whether or not Aaron Rodgers cares is another question. Marcus Spears. uh, No, actually, sorry. Courtney Cronin was on Barton Hahn today talking about Mike Zimmer being on the hot seat. When we talk about hot seat conversation, of course, Matt Nagy's at the forefront of that. But I think it's fair to put Mike Zimmer in there too, because this team has not missed the postseason in back-to-back years, and they're in danger of potentially doing that. They're 7-7 and with three games left. This is like the dichotomy of this entire season, where it's every single week, it's are they good or are they not? Okay, so not so much Courtney's take, but do you think it's a good take for fans of the Vikings to want Mike Zimmer gone?
2: Yeah, it's a hot take, and I know that it hasn't gone the way the Vikings fan base wants it to go, and everybody turns around and says, we need change. I would just remind everybody to look back at articles over the last four or five years for the offseason coaching hires and ask how many of them actually work out. I mean, we we forget how many times we're sitting here in – you know, early January praising whatever team. Robert Sala is a great example. The Jets fan base was like, we got the guy. We got the best hire. And now we're not even through one season, and you've got people saying, ah, oh, he stinks, he's trash, he's garbage. Like, it, the coaching landscape is so difficult to figure out. I, I think change for the sake of change. I mean, you can't just change it. We got to tell me who you're getting that's going to be better, and I don't know that there's an easy answer.
1: Yeah, I agree with you that I don't know if there's an easy answer, but I think it's a good take for them to want him gone. I think at some point – um, it's eight seasons in, they put a ton of money into Kirk Cousins to get something out of this stretch and they've won one playoff game with him. A lot of the players are really tired of his, his coaching style and they've churned through coordinators and, and coaches while he's been there. Um, I agree with you, grass isn't always greener and there's a real risk in getting rid of him and being even worse, but I don't think they've been good enough and that's sitting in the middle And being mediocre, maybe getting in the playoffs and immediately losing, that's just not enough. That's not a reason to keep someone around. You gotta go for it a little bit more. And that's not going for it to say that's good enough. Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz, one last little one here for our second round of good take, hot take. It's Tony Rizzo, co host of the really big show. He was on KJM talking about the Browns playoff chances.
0: Well, we're concerned. This is now what happens now is Saturday is must win. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. I heard this for weeks now. The Browns have been looking forward to this game. I just hope they get their damn players back. Because everybody's assuming that they're going to get uh, rolled in Green Bay on Christmas. It ain't going to happen. Browns are going to show up. The Garrett injury is a concern. We'll find out today how bad that is. But the Browns were without a lot. 10 starters last night. Still hung in that game with the Vegas Raiders. So uh, we're concerned. But Saturday's now is a must win
1: hey uh, Fitz good take or hot take that the Browns are going to show up and give it to the Packers
2: oh that is such a hot take I mean <laughs> and it, this is a T te- like the Raiders are not even in the same stratospheres where the Packers are and for all the conversation who was missing Miles Garrett was there Nick Chubb was there the Raiders still were able to win that football game like I think that's that's a little bit delusional there to look at and think it's going to turn around and be that good
1: yeah I'm gonna say it's a wishful take, which is not an option oh, I like that. but that's where he is. I mean, listen, this is a Brownstein that has a couple really good wins, but it also you know like couldn't finish against the Raiders, barely eked past the ravens who have been slumping right before that, lost to those slumping ravens by a score of sixteen to ten, barely beat the lions again thirteen to ten, got worked by the patriots forty five to seven, um got beat by the Steelers, a lot of their losses they scored ten points, seven points, ten points, ten points yesterday fourteen. This is not a team that can keep up with the Packers. Wishful take in my opinion. Brought to you by Goodyear and we're with you every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven It's Spain and Fitz. Coming up, your grievances and you got some good ones. That's next on Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz the podcast.
1: During the commercial break, uh, I just discovered another grievance. Fitz sharing that when he worked with Mark Sanchez, he would take down three full pizzas on his own, right? Just it, it, watching games and stuff, but still very trim. That's what? not allowed. That's the reason that <laughs> almost every episode of Snapped has begun. I'm convinced. No one actually does anything to those women. They just okay. have husbands who can eat whatever they want without gaining weight, because that's, that's when murder would begin for me.
2: And guys, like, let's just let's just be honest for a second. If you come in and your girl's watching Snapped a lot, just start looking around, seeing if there's yeah. little notebooks. I'm convinced yeah. that, like, women are just taking notes, right? And they're mm-hmm. looking at it. They're like, okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. They got caught doing this. So how do I, like, it, yeah. It's we're, we're just li- laying out a path there to go ahead and get rid of off your guy.
1: Uh, another note for those who, who watch those shows. If your husband accidentally shoots you in the back with a crossbow, and then the wife says, hey, that really hurt and I almost died. I, you never even used that crossbow. Maybe we should get rid of it. And he insists on putting it up high on a shelf, barely covering it with some gift wrapping paper, and then again shoots you in the back with it, but this time you die. I think it was on purpose. That's just, I, I know it's very specific, but if that happens to any of you, you know, the first time I'd really keep an eye out for your husband, that is an actual episode like, How I many watched. times
2: would Brad have to apologize after accidentally you shooting shot me in the in back the back the cross with a
1: crossbow?
2: Yeah. That's the thing I've never understood about that. It's like, what are you saying? Like, I can't even figure out how to apologize my way out of being five minutes late for yeah, something. I'm trying right. to figure out how you apologize. I mean, I, sorry, honey. I didn't mean to shoot I'm you in the back with the crossbow. Because if he
1: did accidentally, in quotation, shoot me in the back with the crossbow, I wouldn't be like, okay, sure. You could keep it and put it on a higher shelf. No, thank you. Uh, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius, XM Channel 80. We watched that show together early on in our dating, and there were a lot of side glances Like mm, Is this person crazy Just Keep an eye on how they're reacting To this crossbow episode uh, By the way We got some news From Spain and Fitz Nation Y'all hitting us up On the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed With your grievances We played one That honestly, one of my producers at Around the Horn just crushed. Josh Bard nailed it, taken down Madison Square Garden. And we asked you for your grievances at KCosta underscore 41. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with the Super Bowl Sunday not being Super Bowl Saturday. I mean, it's a great, great grievance. We talk about this every year, and yet we still haven't fixed it. I get that it's fun to go to the parties on Saturday, but wouldn't it be nice to recover from the Super Bowl with a nice Sunday off?
2: Yeah, I, I look, I'm all in on moving it to Sunday or Saturday. or Saturday, I should say, yeah. or making Monday a national holiday. Like Ooh, if we just yeah, let's to- get
1: ourselves another day off instead of taking up more of our week, and that's that's a really good plan. Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday. Uh, that well, is. A I great mean, agreement.
2: I'm all in for that. Then then um, you can do whatever you want on Saturday and Sunday, and you get Monday to recover
1: and Friday. Friday night party, Saturday night party, Sunday game, Monday recovery, fly home, and then you know call in. "Quote unquote sick on Tuesdays to get another day. This is a plan, especially
2: this year since you're taking me as your plus one to the Super Bowl. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I mean, like it's so, so funny. Many, um, speaking of so
1: apologizing, many. I don't know how I would get that to get that apology out to Brad if I was like, oh, Fitz, Fitz is gonna be my plus one at the Super Bowl. <laughs> that would go over uh, great.
2: It, it, Brad will understand. Trust, I'll work it out with Brad. Oh, well, okay, you know, you, and then don't, you don't, worry, don't worry about that.
1: You have a chat with Brad. Just remember, he's <laughs> got about eight inches on you. And I'm talking about height. Don't be weird, everybody. It's Spain and Fitz. There's Spain. Jason. Arm length. Arm length. Yes. Wingspan. At Untouchable Kaz 1 is also a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. By the way, Kaz, one of our super listeners, and we had merch delivered to us. Fitz. Spain and Fitz merch. Mm. And only a very few people in the world have Spain and Fitz merch. It's you. It's me. It's our producer. A couple folks in ESPN Radio. And now Kaz... Gale, Asom, and Angry Bears fan dad, man. It is on the way. Mm-hmm. I shipped it today. So that's what you get if you're a loyal super listener to Spain and Fitz. All of you out there thinking, wait, but I listen all the time. We didn't know. We didn't know. So you didn't get it. Well, but maybe and, and next by time. the
2: way, if Sarah sent it out, it's actually happening. Yeah, right? I did that, send see, it. That's why you, I didn't, you didn't rely on me. you wanted to this send is...
1: some of yours. Right. I just said the small amount of merch that I have, I'll take it out of mine because otherwise no one will ever get it if you're in charge. That's right. That's right, how it per, works. A thousand, uh, but anyway... I mean, a, you Kaz, give me a
2: free shirt, I'm not giving it to anybody. You're not but giving B, I, I would just forget. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Anyway, Kaz, I'm not sure about this. He wants the NFL to switch to a draft lottery system. Um, it's a no. little tougher with uh, short seasons and where there's a lot of parity for the NFL to be at risk of being trash and not having a good pick. In the NBA, it's easier to fix, I think. NFL, that'd be tough.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm all, I love the NFL draft process the way it is uh, because... I genuinely don't think there are you, – you can tell me the organizations are trying to tank, but as we always hear, the players on the, the field players, are playing yeah. their tails off. It's rare that we see a team that we look at and we say, oh, yeah, they are definitely trying to throw this whole season in the trash. And every year we try and say that's happening, and it's not. So I like the fact that you have the chance to immediately turn your season around, you know, or you have the chance like San Francisco did last year to put yourself in a good situation.
1: Uh, next grievance at read the Phoenix, a part of Spain and Fitz nation hit us up on the Dr. Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with my beef is with sports heads, not you complaining about five-star athletes who don't want to spend three out of their four eligible years sitting and instead transfer to play right away. They say it's a lack of competitive fire. I say not transferring is a waste of talent. And you know what? I agree. I do think that you should want to fight your hardest to win the job. But if it's clear you're not going to and you're gonna sit there and while away when there's potential for you to go somewhere else and, and really thrive to the to the point that you might even be drafted and otherwise would be completely unknown, then do it, man. You got such a tiny window to work with.
2: Yeah, and for years what we've seen is coaching staffs have been able to hold players accountable, but it's never been able to go the opposite way. So a coaching staff can go in and bring in as many guys as they want and basically then dictate the future for that athlete so I love empowerment for any kid having the opportunity yes I think you should fight for the job if it's there to be fought for but I also believe that that comes down to getting to know the kid and making sure that you know the kid's actually doing the work and uh, the transfer portal is going to give a lot of opportunity I I just want kids to have opportunity more than more than schools I want individuals to have the opportunity to thrive that's what college is supposed to be about
1: well, and anybody who says, "Oh, but it's so hard if you're a player," I mean, if you, it's so hard if you're a coach or a team to like recover if you have expert. So fi- they'll figure it out. This is not. This is not about doing what's best for that program. It's about doing what's best for each individual player because the program is making tons of money off of them. Uh, at C Paul Ev, can we give Reggie Bush his Heisman Trophy back? Yeah, I think we mm-hmm. should. Yeah, I think we should do that. At Trey Louisiana. Uh, my annoyances include lovers of coach hires and contracts, but haters of the transfer portal. Absolutely fair, right? We're spending millions of dollars on these coaches, but we don't want the kids to be able to, to go where they want. Two, haters of the BCS and lovers of CFP, but they hate bowl games being useless now. Fair, right? <laughs> right? I mean, you, you, yep. got, you, you got what you asked for. And then three, taunting penalties in professional sports. Couldn't agree more on all accounts.
2: Yeah, I, I'm all in for the elimination of taunting in the NFL. Like I, I think that'd the, be the hysterical. penalty, not the like, taunt, Let them
1: taunt. Yeah, and just don't penalty. Yeah. The elimination them. of the yes. taunting
2: penalty. Yeah, that that's yeah. Uh, like let them celebrate, let them dance on each other. I really don't care. You know, I if <laughs> let if other. you've got a kid it's playing awesome. pop warner football, you can teach him what, what sportsmanship <laughs> is. Let, 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 let the athletes play.
1: ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Thanks for the grievances. You might have some grievances about tonight's games. The score right now, Eagles, Washington football team, Eagles up 17-10. to Seahawks are beating the Rams 10-3 to right now. Also, Wyoming won the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and their head coach got a French fry Gatorade bath. Ain't nothing wrong Woo! with that. That sounds delicious. Freddie and and Santa Claus is going to be on.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.